Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus, I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As it is our custom here, here at Threads, once our guest comes, we welcome them into the family, and then we turn it over to them so that they can uh, give us the picture of where they are today. As my belief, as you know, we are creators, and whatever they have created, they will present to us, and then we go back and deconstruct their journey so that you and I can extrapolate wisdom, knowledge, all that information so that we can become even better human spirits while we are here on this planet. Welcome, William, to Threads of Enlightenment. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I'm so happy that you're here, man. So tell us what you have created so far. Well, I tell you what, you're absolutely right. Life is a journey. Uh, and, uh, as we go down that journey, I think that's where the, the nuggets of enlightenment wisdom uh, mm-hmm. occur. Um, I have written, um, a couple of books, uh, about a personality trait called high sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, technically it's called sensory processing sensitivity. And what's unique about that is that this trait has been validated by science didn't really exist in the body of knowledge of science until about 19, mid-1990s when Dr. Elaine Aaron wrote her book um, mm. uh, about high sensitivity. What's really important about this is that um, I grew up in a particular time. I'm in my mid-60s right now. I grew up in a time 
50s, 60s, 70s, when this trait had no name to it. It was mm-hmm. just uh, uh, people assigned sort of pejorative terms around the word sensitive. And so I grew up, uh, like many men do, in, in many cultures around the planet, where there is a definition <laughs> of what a man is supposed to be. Yeah, Part of that has to do with being uh, kind of stoic, maybe even warrior-like, mm-hmm. emotional, uh, not in touch with who they are uh, at a very deep level sometimes. And it was kind of a disconnect between what I was naturally. Sensitive people have a tendency to be more aware of the environment. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, it fits under a theory of, Uh, a larger theory called environmental sensitivity theory, which talks about how organisms react with their environment and how sensitive they are to change and how sensitive they are to things that are going on. Sensitivity, as we know it, is a a spectrum thing. There's a, think of a bell-shaped curve. There's people who are lowerly, have a lower degree of sensitivity, but a higher degree of adaptability, right? They're more resilient. They don't... Mm -hmm pick up as many things and perhaps don't think as deeply as other people do. Um, There are those in the middle who are a little hardier uh, to say than the people at the end, the top side or who are more sensitive to the environment, uh, but not quite as resilient as those at the lower end, which comprise probably the the majority of the planet. And then there's a small group, 20% of the population that have this characteristic of high sensitivity. Now, what Mm -hmm. you find is that people who have high sensitivity are usually a a lot of the community of creators come from this high sensitive community. And the reason for that is because they have a higher awareness of what's going on around them. And it is a combination of sensory things. It's a a combination of the deep processing of data that they receive in from the environment, and it gives them that opportunity to kind of churn through stuff and I think put things together. A lot of times it's big picture thinking after you've done that. It yeah. gives us this ability to to be very creative in how we see things. A lot of entertainers, uh, a lot of people that are authors uh, and mm-hmm. religious and spiritual leaders are yeah. very often highly sensitive people. One of the things about highly sensitive people, too, that I think is very important to note is that we're highly empathetic. That means, you mm-hmm. know, we we connect with people more um, and at, at a deeper level. Um, it's a natural thing with highly sensitive people. In fact, it's one of the characteristics, uh, along with things like being deeply emotional mm-hmm. uh, and being empathetic like that allows us to connect to people, feel a little bit more about what our fellow uh, humans are experiencing. And it also gives us some different insights about how, how other people are, are reacting to things, how they feel about things. And I think that's really important um, because I believe that nature creates highly sensitive people, as does Dr. Aaron, who wrote about this. For a specific mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah. Um, when you think about the totality of humanity, um, it's really nice to know that, that there is a portion of that population who is aware of things and can be able to bring this kind of information to light. They're we're more cautious, we're more thoughtful, we're more 
we, we think about consequences of actions that people who think less uh, deeply than mm-hmm. us do. Now, this doesn't make highly sensitive people better or that doesn't give them a special privilege or make them better people. What it does is I think is it, I like to think of it as a sort of a human specialization. Yeah, uh, yeah. That nature created for that purpose of being the canary in the coal mine, being the ones that warn about things that are coming. And as you well know, and I, I'm not trying to dwell on this, but the idea is that we're really kind of at a crisis point, I think, in the history of civilization. We've got so many things coming down at once. There's a lot of polarization amongst people. Yep. There's a lot of uh, 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 things that are going on in the environment, climate change, other things like that that are affecting human populations. Uh, this whole business about the coronavirus and COVID has, I yeah. think, highlighted all the li- sort of weak links that we have currently within our within our world. Yet it also uh, highlights that we're all humans. We're all subject mm-hmm. to this. We're all yeah. susceptible to this. Yeah. And so it, I think is a way, maybe that's the way nature is waking us up to this idea, amongst other ways, of being more aware of each other and our impacts that we have. Now, as far as my story goes, you know, I grew up in the southern United States, which is a very traditional area. Mm-hmm. Boys were supposed to be this way. Girls were supposed to be that way. And I did not fit in very well. Um, I tried my very best to do that because uh, even though my dad was a highly sensitive man, didn't know it, but he was. Mm-hmm. He was trying to kind of socialize me to fit in with what the popular notions of what masculinity was. And so it became a lifelong struggle for me. I, you know, grew up, uh, had a family, had a career uh, at a, a large bank as an information technology manager. It wasn't really what I probably should have been doing, but it was sort of served yeah. its purpose. Yeah. And eventually um, I, I, I had to kind of, in that kind of environment, it's a very masculine environment, even though there are a lot more yeah. women in it now uh, uh, than it was when I started. But the idea of being stoic, bucking up, getting out there, doing your job, being available 24-7, never having downtime, always working uh, towards the objectives of keeping machines up, mm-hmm. really took its toll on me. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until the early 2000s that I found out about this trait of sensitivity. So I went probably 40-something years of my life, almost 50, before I realized that I was different for a reason. There was a, there was a, a trait for that. I just thought I was yeah. kind of an odd person, um, and I had struggled with that throughout my life. I'd always been somebody who pursued things of interest in psychology, religion, spirituality, mm-hmm creativity, always like writing, things like that. But I really didn't own it. You know, it was sort of yeah, one of those yeah. things where I just kind of denied it because I didn't think that was going to be productive for me. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until about 2010 that I decided to get off the merry-go-round with the corporate world and decided to pursue something different. Um, right after that, uh, I had a a uh, circumstance where I was, my wife and I separated and divorced. That was hard uh, on both of us. Um, and I kind of embarked on this journey on my own. Mm-hmm. I opened a business where I was working with people doing hypnosis and uh, what I call hypno coaching. 
mm-hmm. and also did um, neurofeedback brain training, which was really kind of nice. It, it, I had a lot of clients that came in who were sensitive that didn't know it. And we talk, yeah. we have these conversations, and I had great rapport with people. Um, I enjoyed doing that, that work. Um, but unfortunately, it was in a small town in Oregon um, mm-hmm. and a very competitive town for alternative type health practitioners. And so it wasn't, it was a struggle to keep the business going, but I loved it, Kent. I absolutely loved it. It was sort of like finding my passion is yeah. working and helping people. And that's another thing high sensitive people like to do is be involved in kind of helping professions. Yeah. I, I was, listening to your story. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of conversations with people because of the podcast that I do and the thread that I see William and I notice amongst the people that I classified as have been on awakened to the journey of self-development is they never feel as if they fit in yes. male, female, it does not matter. And I uh, listening to you, I love the biofeedback. I, I love all of that because I, I utilized a lot of that in training myself uh, my children as well, um, when they were young men, um, because I knew the benefit of it and what it did. And it's a great tool. If anyone is listening, it's a great tool to utilize biofeedback to help oscillation and, and with your brains and so forth. It's really, really awesome. Um, I too believe the planet is at a critical place, um, William, and I really do, because I think the onset of COVID has awoken a lot of people. We see them by the millions leaving corporate America, where before would have never done it had not something this drastic happened. And you talked about when you had your opportunity to leave and you started your uh, business and you loved it and you had to leave because of a the location that you, you, you're in, how did that, and I know you mentioned also the, the, the divorce. So you had, uh, in a, in a, in a space, you had a lot going on yes. at the same time. How did you manage once you made a decision to leave corporate America, um, going through the divorce, because you still have a lot of emotional things that you have to, um, deal with, um, and overcome to begin to take a jump into starting a business of that type coming from the corporate world. Yeah, it was quite a transition. You know, it was, it was, there were moments when I felt because I was unattached, I didn't have a partner, um, that I was very much alone. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, it was a lot of times that's when you have to go in yourself and, and find, uh, that bit of strength that will get you through and keep you going. Yeah. Uh, what I found was that when I was working with people, it was a way of finding that strength. I, mm-hmm. I, I was helping other people. I was thinking less of what was going on with me, perhaps, but more about what I could do with what I had to help other people. And that was probably the first time in my life that I started to realize, you know, that I could help people. Um, yeah. That it was, it was, you know, when you work in a kind of a corporate environment, um, I had really good rapport with my staff. Uh, we always had good connections. And when I left corporate America, one of the things that people 
would tell me, they wrote me letters and emails and things when I was leaving. They, they would say, you know, you were the best manager we ever had. And the reason for that was because you cared mm-hmm. about us. Yeah. Um, and I, I never thought about that way. I always thought about that, you know, it, it was just natural for me to want to look after their interest in their work schedules and so forth to make sure that they had a life outside of work and yeah. were getting the things that they needed and so forth and so on. I didn't realize you could take that, which was kind of a, a coaching experience in a corporate setting, and translate it into life. And that actually people would benefit from it. I, I thought, you know, I had some ideas, things that I was testing when I was working with people. And they were coming, uh, when I tested them, they, I was getting a lot of positive feedback about it. And mm-hmm. so, it, again, it just it, the journey started really then. That was, I think, the beginning of my awakening to my gift, talent, whatever it was that I had that I had been suppressing my whole life. Yeah. I've been keeping yeah. it in a box and not sharing it with anybody. And it was really sad, not only for me, but for those people I could have helped and, and along the way. Yeah. Um, now I started writing a blog about the sensitivity. That was something, again, I was struggling with that even, even at this point. Um, mainly because the term sensitive and, and man just didn't match didn't up go. together yeah. in my mm-hmm. definition, the way I was raised, the way I grew mm-hmm. up. Um, but I wasn't looking at sensitivity the right way. And I needed to understand the term. I'd read the books. There were a lot of good books out at the time. Dr. Aaron and a few others had written about men and sensitivity. But it wasn't an experience that I'd incorporated in myself. So I needed to go do the research myself. And I yeah. did a blog, and it still exists today. I'm still writing for but I was asking the questions that I had and then mm-hmm. I would go out and do the research to either support or negate my hypothesis about what it was. And as I did that, I started learning more about me and I started learning more about the trait and it was easier to embrace it. It's that yeah. self-education yeah. part of it that I needed to do. And it was easy for me to embrace that. I think that's, um, that's what self or, or enlightenment is about. Uh, you become, it's a purposeful um, decision-making process to learn more about who you are. Exactly. And uh, it is a powerful journey. And um, as you mentioned, you don't put that sensitivity piece with men. But I think our society as a whole has suffered uh, because um we men have been programmed that that's not or shouldn't be a part of who we are yes. and as a result of that i believe uh humankind as a whole is suffering um relationship with uh, uh men and f- women and everything is suffering mm-hmm. as a result of that i i absolutely believe yeah, I, uh, all that you're talking about you are totally, totally correct about that. In fact, I was looking at a study this morning. I was reading some research that was done about, first of all, three layers of this. One is that the masculine model that we've all been raised with, mm-hmm. uh, which you, you know, correct about, it, it, it suppresses a lot of things that that men need to be able to do. That's expressing emotion. That's one of the mm-hmm. main things yeah. about uh, about being a man particularly in Western culture, but I I really suspect that it's true all over the world. Um, What happens as a result of that 
is that men, because they're not allowed to express these, sometimes what we would call tender emotions, right? Sadness and grief and consternation, not knowing what to do, being vulnerable, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It comes out as aggressive behavior, right? Yeah. And that aggressive behavior is attacking other people. Somehow yes. or another, we've accepted that culture. As the norm. As, as the and norm. It's, it's absolutely and, erroneous. And so it becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. To not only the people that are around the men that are ex- exhibiting that behavior, it's toxic to the men. Yes. It's killing them yes. little by little because this emotion is not being able to be expressed. Yes. So, yeah, I, I so much agree with what you're saying there because I think that is a concern. Now, that translates because we have lived for millennia mm-hmm. in male-dominated cultures where we're not expressing sort of the feminine side. We're not mm-hmm. in balance with the feminine side. Yeah. That what happens is that we have become very aggressive. Uh, we exploit things. We subjugate uh, people. There's mm-hmm. huge issues with inequality across the board. Yeah. And it's all because of this masculinity. Here's the key, yeah. I think, to all of this, Ken, is the fact that we have to help men understand yes. that masculinity and being a man are not necessarily the same thing. So here's the thing I look at. Masculinity is like a costume, a coat mm-hmm. that yeah. men wear out in the world, right? That coat, that coat, that costume, and that kind of role you play when you're wearing that costume, it can be reshaped. It can be yes. retailored. It can be mm-hmm. completely reconstructed into something yes. that's more, uh, I think, fits our culture and our time and the, the needs that we have today. And I think that's one of the things uh, a lot of men, not just highly sensitive men, are talking in these terms about redefining masculinity. Uh, yes. You know, and it scares a lot of men because they're, they may be very uh, over-identifying with this traditional view. They, they become that person, right? Yeah. As opposed to being the man, the human being yeah. that they are. You know, on a path, just like you're talking about, we're all on a path, a journey, and and to get to this awareness that we're talking about. They're afraid. They're, of that. they're, afraid, they're afraid of it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, because William, why they're afraid? Because it demands change. The minute that you investigate that yes. as an individual, it demands that you make a decision. Uh, do you want to continue with this? And a lot of people, they want to deal with that. They just want to go along with the flow yeah. and um, have that uh, lifestyle that they're used to. And uh, we have seen that it is it's detrimental. I had an uh, interview with someone a few days ago, and we were talking about uh, rape and stuff like that. And, and she was concerned about the uh, the atmosphere that is happening within the world when it comes to that. And I absolutely believe, as you are talking right here, this is one of the fruits of that thinking, that programming that we have been programmed f- from from all all of time that I can think of, you know, for my age. I'm I'm yeah. sixty and, and my sixty years on this planet, that's all I've heard about. And um, we uh, had to come to grips with this thing and began to uh, reprogram the young men 
um, I spent much of my time reprogramming my children as I learned different things. And I utilized the tool that we spoke about earlier to help them um, adjust their thinking. But you're absolutely right. These The men are afraid to do that because we believe that's if we get in touch with that aspect of who we are as an individual, a human spirit, that we are weak. And I believe that you, you're much more stronger. That individual man is much more of an individual than a man that does not want to get in touch with quote unquote, his feelings. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just overjoyed to hear you say what you just said. It's, it's so much the way that uh, I see things, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. It's interesting. I do believe, and I have some hope here that I've talked to uh, younger men, um, millennials um, and Gen Z men. Yeah. Be my, my kids age and my grandkids age that, um, they ex- are, are embracing that notion, that idea that we need to look at those kind of things because they're yes. the ones that are going to inherit this world um, the way it's been left uh, by, you know, our generation. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, talk about being on purpose here, that that's one of my purposes now is that it's become kind of a mission for me to, to as an older, perhaps, perhaps a little wiser individual who's lived through life to share these ideas and these thoughts with them to encourage them to, to, to continue working on this going forward. Uh, it may take generations. As you said, we've got to start with the young ones. Right? We've got to start yeah. getting them in, in, into this new modality. Uh, but it may take some generations in order to get really truly where, where I think we, we, we can be as a Definitely. species. But yeah, definitely. If we don't shed this old, and it's not men. This isn't about men. This is about mm-hmm. the notion of masculinity being the mm-hmm. way that it is, which is dominant, which is you know subjugating people. It's exploiting things. It's yes. It's not allowing men, in some cases, women who have adopted this sort of robe oh, of yeah. masculinity to feel to be human. Mm-hmm. To be yes. a complete and, and total human being. And I think as humans, we have the complete palette of emotions, of creativity, of ideas, of, of sensitivities. And we need to express those because we really need those now. I, I think that, um, and I had this conversation with um, uh, someone uh, a few days ago as well. I believe uh, covid now, look at COVID for one second, because I believe COVID, uh, William, is forcing the male population and human beings as well to reevaluate what does that mean to be a human or a male or female. Right. COVID came, and uh, the one thing that we need as humans uh, to really connect with each other is the touching. The, 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 and it came and cut that, stopped that. So now here we are as an individual. What do we need to do? We need to go inside, number one, and start looking at self. But the minute that you and I were able to get over and visit our 
parents or friends or whatever, look what happened. The the emotions, I believe, came out um, yeah. and is coming out more. And it is my hope that um, that this behavior grows because it, it is necessary. It is what we need at this time. Uh, to be honest, you and I have, what, 20, 30 years remaining. And so whatever wisdom or, or processes by which we have lived our life, it is our hope that we would deposit it as much as we can into the younger generation of male, that they will take that mantle and begin to uh, reinvent what we call manhood right. um, from from going forward. Absolutely, yeah. I and I, you know, it's 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 a formidable task because we're basically oh, yeah. trying to stop a runaway train. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I absolutely think that, as I said, I'm very encouraged by the, uh, the younger generations. They're they seem to be more aware of this. They seem to be more about accepting people for who they are as yes. individuals. And I and I am really very encouraged by that. And I think that, um, um, you know, there may be some people in our generation that don't ever come on board with this idea. And, and that's what it's going to have to be. But I think looking forward, a younger generation that's more accepting and more open about things like uh, – how you identify and who you are and allowing yourself to be expressive of emotion and feelings. Yeah. That's, it's, that's going to be very key to us going forward. I had an interesting conversation yesterday with a, an, another podcaster. We were talking about uh, what happened to humanity, you know, looking back in time, at one point we were hunter gatherers, right? And so we had to cooperate with each other. It was really mm-hmm. important to everybody to pitch in and to help out and to be helpful to each other in order to survive. At some point in our history, we became stationary and became agrarian and started raising crops, livestock, yeah. and were not nomadic and didn't travel around. And it became more individualized. And then mm-hmm. you had this accumulation of wealth and, and, and then you, you know, you had states and kings and all kinds of things that go on as a result of accumulation of wealth. I'm not against wealth. I'm just saying that the mindset, I think, has changed a little bit. Um, there was a time in our distant past where you would think of the divine feminine. and Women were treated, I think, in a much more uh, respectful way. Respectful way, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and today we've still got the kind of an old male patriarchal dominated uh, by men. Um, kind of ma- uh, masculinity that isn't reflective of where we are today. I mean, mm-hmm. we're starting to move back, I think, towards a more, hopefully more cooperative state, but we're in transition right now. There's the old versus the new, and there's kind of bucking up against each other right now. And I think um, it's important for people like yourself and myself and others, uh, or our generation, to be promoting this with the younger folks and 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 encouraging them uh, to carry this forward, because again, I just think we're at a crisis point on the planet. Oh. Yep, I believe I believe every word you say. We are um, we see it in society today uh, as far as how we relate to each other. Um, you just look at the news, and yeah. you'll you'll, uh, you'll be amazed at the behavior of. Uh, 
people based on a false uh, doctrine of manhood yes. and how they um, brutalize both men and female uh, with that mentality that one is superior over the other, uh, better than, and all the other things that um, we are programmed to believe. And we see yeah. that in society today. And it's, it is my hope, and I know it is yours, that the young children, and we see these young men and women, they're not buying into the old ways, you know, working for the corporation for 40 years and they're kicking, you know, getting a watch at the end of it. Those kids today are looking at that going, there's no way they're going to do that. They're not attracted to it. They're not even, they're doing business and creating income ways in ways that you and I would never, ever, ever, ever thought of doing. Um, And so it, that brings me hope that a lot of them has been disconnected from the system per se. Yeah. And that they are mingling with people from different cultures, different belief system and are maintaining strong relationships via that way. And and is my hope that it continues. But like you said, it'll take several generations to make it uh, what we would consider uh, almost the norm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And, you know, Ken, one, one thing else, I really think that my journey has taught me one thing. It's about balance in life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was working corporate, my life very often was out of balance. I out of balance. More yeah. More time with work than I was with yeah. family and things like that. And that's not. That's a good the corporate mo- model, though, William. Isn't that the corporate model? Yeah, it is the corporate model. They Well, they talk about work-life balance. Because yeah. it's something they have to say. Say, yeah. But in reality, they expect you to be more uh, involved with your giving your time to them to, to you know, continue the uh, corporation and its mm-hmm. objectives. But the balance I t- talk about, too, here is this balance between, uh, you know, nature is out of balance. It does whatever it needs to do to correct that. And once, you know, uh, it, it from an environmental standpoint, things are out of balance and well, nature's starting to work on correcting that. Uh, unfortunately we might be in the way, um, mm-hmm. because we're out of balance with what nature is intended for us in this role that we play on the planet. Um, and I think balance between human beings in terms of their masculine and feminine side, we all, I think carry both energies, um, mm-hmm. and we're out of balance there. And we've got this, dominant masculine force energy force that is pushing uh some of this uh, some of the troubles that we see in fact i hate saying this but you can almost do a dotted line to all the major problems that we have back to this toxic hegemonic patriarchal masculinity Mm -hmm. um again separating that from men it's a form of masculinity isn't the only one um but we're out of balance and I think what we need to do is work on bringing more balance into our lives. Um, and in doing so, I think we become more harmonious, not only with ourselves, with our spirit, but with nature and the, and the environment that we're surrounded by. Absolutely. Um, I agree 100%. And I think um, it is my hope, as I said, I, I hope that uh, we learn this lesson quickly. And I believe that um, the onset of this virus, um, the coronavirus, has given us a pause in a way that uh, makes us reflect 
on our behavior and how we can make those corrections. And um, I know a lot of people are frustrated within that, but if they can utilize it to become a better human spirit, it, it would benefit them and and all of us globally as as uh, children of this planet. Um, I'm I'm having a really good conversation here, uh, William, about this because I think it's necessary within the uh, framework of men hearing this topic being discussed because right. of how we have been um, uh, programmed in from the time we were born until you know we die, and so it's good to have someone that is able to come and, as you mentioned, once you began to pursue this part of yourself, this additional part of who you are, you became happier. You became, um, you began to become more balanced as you were talking about being out of balance, as you began to investigate this, this aspect of your personality as to who you are. Um, I wanted you to talk about some of those challenges, uh, William, because it is, um, as we're talking to an audience of men is here for one second. Uh, talk to some of those men that are listening about the challenges that uh, you had to go through and overcome being programmed one way and realizing, okay, um, this part of me, I need to incorporate some of those challenges that you, you, you overcame uh, you mentioned that you didn't feel like you fit in. So if you can address some of those, because sure. some of them out there may need to know some of the tools that you utilize to help yourself and right. may help them. Well, you know, let's just say my life could be divided into two halves. The point where I started to realize that, that I was a sensitive man and that it was okay. So that was a point up to the point before that. And again, that was like in my mid forties. Up to that point, I had a natural affinity for looking for things that would help me calm my mind, right? Try to achieve some inner peace. Well, I did, when I was in college, I did transcendental meditation. I, I, I did some brain entrainment uh, software back in the days when things were on uh, cassette tapes. Um, and I listened to those things. I tried to do everything I could to calm this inner turbulence that I had as a real result of not being in sync and in balance with who I was. So that was probably the, the main challenge of my life. Um, not understanding this trait of high sensitivity, which is really kind of the framework for my life, because I, I see life, like most highly sensitive people do, through the prism of high sensitivity, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an individual. I had an individual upbringing and I grew up a certain way and so forth. I'm very fortunate. I had very good, loving parents who are happened to be highly sensitive too. They didn't understand it either. And so I, you know, like I said, was navigating a lot of this by myself. It affects everything. It affects your relationships with people and who you, assume, oh, yeah. you know, who you partner up with. And sometimes that doesn't work out because you're trying to project something else onto them and, and you're not being yourself. And I think, one of the key things, the biggest challenges I had was being my true, authentic self. Yeah. And I, to any man out there that is feeling that inner conflict, that, that you're in the wrong job, you're in the wrong relationship, you're in the wrong, uh, you know, you have uh, this, this 
being out of sync life, right? That you feel like you're not in sync with yourself. This is the thing that I think is challenging for most people at some point or another, whether they're sensitive or not, is being in sync to who they truly are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you listen, and I think doing things like meditation and even doing the neurofeedback brain training relaxes the mind enough so that you can start listening to things that are coming through. Pay attention to your intuition. Pay attention to what is coming up from inside of you. Um, it will feel right if it's if it's supposed to be something that you should be engaged in. It will certainly feel wrong if it's out of sync. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have become numb to those signals. They come from the body itself. Yeah. Um, I had just written something the other day, in fact, about this. There's an entire system in the body where... The organs, stomach, liver, lungs, intestines, are all sending signals to the brain. And they're mm -hmm. talking about what state you're in. Well, that's the early uh, precursors to emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and those emotions go to the brain, and then we attach feelings to them. This is where being able to calm yourself, being able to calm down, and this, again, is a, was one of my biggest challenges because I was always kind of on edge because I wasn't doing and being what I was supposed to be uh, is learning to pay attention to those signals. Yeah. And for a lot of us, we have been taught don't trust intuition. It's not reliable. Uh, <laughs> don't listen to how you're feeling because it's not reliable. Rely only on your logic and your reasoning functions. Yeah. Again, there's balance there too. But the idea is that if you're not listening to what your, your body's telling you, what your soul, your spirit is telling you, you're going to have challenges after challenge after challenge because you're running up against who you are and you're running up against uh, perhaps what your true calling in, in, is in life. OK, and I I think for me, that was my big thing. Once I got past that and I started trusting myself, my instincts, yeah. that's when my life started falling into place. more. Mm -hmm. That's when it became easier to navigate obstacles and challenges. It became easier to move forward in a direction. And what it gave me was confidence. That's yeah. something I never had, confidence, that what I was doing is right and what I was, what I was doing is right for me. Yeah, meditation was one of my tools that I utilized to, to assist me with my journey, and it uh, helped me to um, get control of my life um, from my space of uh, uh, meditation. I was able to control all the outward um, situations that came about in my life much more uh, better, as I would say, than without it. I would be, it gave me the, the, that few seconds that I was able to make a decision versus reacting to the situation. And I think uh, that's what meditation does. Um, and it was always utilized by um, athletes, martial art folks, uh, spiritual people always utilize that thing. And I keep saying, yes, that's the, um, the breath is the bridge between the spirituality part and the madness. And it's just right. a little, like that. uh, second, you know, and, um, that's what meditation does to you. And it's a great tool to utilize. And I, I'm so glad that you were able to, to speak to some of those questions, especially that that I asked, because 
Um, it is our hope that men our age would not be afraid to get in touch with their authentic self, uh, as someone has described it. Um, emotional piece of us, and I think uh, when we become a parent, this is an opportunity, I believe, for men to tap into that aspect of the of their emotional, that uh, sensitive part of their being, and um, still maintain your manliness. And you can, uh, uh, parenthood gives them that chance. And and but still within the framework. Uh, we try to um, maintain this facade that is not true, but the power to feel um, empathetic towards person, it is powerful stuff yes. because when you are able to now engage at a level that is different from someone who is not able to do that, yes. you're now able to, to get a closer um, communicative response from that person and where they would be able to listen to you and maybe um, you would get a chance to be a, a teacher and have a student or a disciple uh, drink up whatever you are saying and in, in, uh, be able to change their life and affect someone else's as well. Right. So, yes. um, so I, William, I just want to thank you, man, for coming by Threads of Enlightenment. This was an absolute powerful conversation that I believe needs to be heard. Uh, and I cannot wait uh, for people to get a, uh, to hear this. And all the men that are out there that are listening to us, I tell you guys, get uh, William's book, uh, go to his blog, um, pick up some of those nuggets that he delivered there as well, and begin to change your life and become a real man. William, thank you for coming by Threads of Enlightenment. Hey, Ken, it's been an absolute delight. I, I enjoyed the heck out of this, and, and I always love to meet a kindred spirit. So, <laughs> Thank you, sir. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. You can do this by hitting the heart button. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, 
iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more. Everyone who's listening to this broadcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.